1: It's Roxanne Durhaj of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, thanks for tuning in again today. I have uh, Mr. Paul Gunn. Uh, hi, Paul, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, thanks, Roxanne, for having me.
1: Thanks for being on. So Paul yeah. is uh, Paul and I um, recently uh, crossed paths because we're both uh, um, executive con- contributors to Forbes uh, magazine. And uh, Paul is a CEO of Coop Corp. And uh, I ran across him because, you know, he had written this fantastic article uh, that, that really kind of struck me around empathy. And as, as you know, I talk a lot about authentic leadership, leading from the heart, not focusing on uh, the bottom line, but to focus on, on relationships. And when I saw uh, this piece by Paul, I really thought I, I'd like to chat with him and see what he's all about. Uh, so we reached out and we had a little bit of a chit chat and realized that, you uh, he would be well. He would come on my podcast, and we can have this conversation. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Most of the bio will be in the, in the show notes, so you can read further. Um, he developed a career around procurement, logistics, and supply chain, and he's skilled in uh, with domain with proven results, as evidenced by the firms he's owned and by stellar de- delivery performance records of each firm. Um, he has. Um, as a, leading, as a leading role in the firms he's owned, he's a servant leader. And what he's done is he's led the former, he led one of the his former firm's largest quality management system implementations and certifications for multi-million dollar sustenance, sustainment maintenance programs for highly visible um, DOD and users. I don't know what DOD is, Paul, what is DOD?
0: It's the Department of Defense here in the United
1: States. So for anybody in defense who's thinking, well, she really doesn't know defense, yeah. and it's so true. Yeah. Um, his previous firm was listed as one of um, Inc.'s fast-growing privately held firms at number 67. Mr. Gunn has hold um, a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. Oh, okay, from Georgia State University, and I'm an MBA from the University of Phoenix. And he's the f- founder of Water Tusk Corporation. Yes. So that's, you know, can I say that I really, you know, not have not met many people in defense. And um, (laughs) so I was intrigued, especially when you wrote about empathy. And but let's start with you and kind of who is Mr. Paul Gunn and kind of what your path has been. And we'll talk a little bit about um, you in leadership. So tell me a little bit about you.
0: Yeah, well, thanks, Roxanne. A lot, well, a little bit about me. I'm, I'm a kind guy. A lot of the stuff I do is based on empathy. My brother and I started the last company when he came back from, uh, war in 2006, and we got together and said, "Hey, let's go ahead and try and do something together." And that was part of that previous firm. So we had success doing it and having this leadership style with working with vendors and customers based on empathy. And, and it proved itself to really work. We were walking in an industry that it's not really necessarily known to always work from that standard. So after having success with that company, we transferred these same skill sets over from starting in this new company here. And it's been replicated for having a lot of success for us. It, it's a passion that I live by and ultimately we're trying to help the warfighters get home. When my brother was over there, there was a lot of times we were hearing different things and you need good people and good supply chains to help our warfighters get home and allies. So my passion really is driven based on all the different family members that have service members serving, whether it's in the Navy, Army, Air Force, whatever they're doing to help that. Every day I wake up, whether I'm feeling tired, sad, or whatever's going on, I know somebody's out there who needs to get this material and some family member who's hoping that they have what they need to get home. It's It's a great honor, and I take it real seriously. But a lot of the actions that help me succeed in doing that are founded on empathy and kindness, ultimately focusing on that purpose to get our warfighters home.
1: So, did you grow up in a military family?
0: My dad was Air Force. Then he and some of my different uh, uncles and cousins are as well. So, oh, okay. for for a large part, they are.
1: So you really understand that whole concept of going out there and what it takes. And and like you said, you 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 weren't were you in the war, or was your brother?
0: No, I uh, wanted to go after into the officer, but I wasn't given the access to get in there. I, okay. I think it was the I had plantar fasciitis in my foot. So that was what was denied when I went in as an officer. So all the time when he was out, this is the biggest piece I was looking for. I just wanted my brother to be safe mm-hmm. and what is it gonna take for him to get home. So when he came back, that really was the mission, say how can we help and work together. So we can help others, and his, and that we're feeling the same way I was, and it's just taken off.
1: So you, I mean, obviously as a family member or, or growing up in a family, that's you know, with the military, you you understand, uh, you know, you think, I think of all the things that your family has to go through when your brother's there, you're there, and uh, you know, you're worried. I would think I've never had a sibling that's been in that situation, but I, I would think that. When you kind of think of your role, right, and making sure that you said people get home, how do you think that through, right? Because I'm thinking if my brother's away and I'm worried and, you know, he's probably got a family and your mom and dad and, you know, all that, that's that's a lot of emotion that's wrapped around what you do for a living, right? It's not just about, you know, A plus B equals C, which is, you know, kind of the supply chain, it's you're you're thinking about it from a different depth.
0: Yeah, exactly. So sometimes you want to go out and what will happen is in a normal situation or circumstances where I may have laid back and said, fine, I'll just let this be. You actually have to go in and push harder and have a vendor understand, look, I understand this is not the normal way you're doing it, but what this is, it requires people to get home. So can you put aside your personal feelings or however you may do different policy and make an exception here? Because other than this, you choosing to not want to work with me based on a formula, a procedure or a policy is not going to help. I am the messenger in this situation that's trying to get other people home. So there's certain circumstances I'm put in where you have to move to the forefront and get People to really align with the greater good for getting the warfighter home, and I'm speaking usually in that position from experience, having been on the other lines. I just want my brother home. I want my family member home, and I know there's plenty of other people who have honor and respect for our military and those serving that they feel the same way.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's deeper, right? Like, yeah. so it's not it's not it's not an. It's an outcome, but really, the outcome is to get people safely home, yes, with certain things that they might need. So, give me an example of something uh, you know that you've kind of like a story you remember, like when you were trying so, to uh, kind of land something. Because I, 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 so
0: I, yeah, I can speak to that. There, there was a time interesting. We we had a project where we had to do, and the recipient of that project was on one of those different items. And he had, once they got back, they were helping us set up our Comcast in the house. So I was, we got to talking, he was explaining, he was a Marine. I said, oh yeah, my brother was a Marine. I said, oh, well thanks. And then he asked kind of what we did. So I explained, and when it got down to what we were supporting that they were actually in, and he went on for five minutes, just over and over. I was in that, that saved my life. I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you. And here I am thinking I'm calling in to just set up Comcast. And the guy goes on for five minutes of ultimate thanks because he said he wouldn't have been home had we not done what was necessary to either get those parts to him. And there it just further pointed out, these things matter when you're ordering and supporting the government because there is a direct recipient who sat in what was involved what we were part of and it just it really touched my heart to say see this is exactly what i was feeling this guy's talking to me from it had he not been in that it, he wouldn't have his life saved
1: so it's ready you look at the impact on people's lives so let's you know because it's one thing is that if you need a particular part and i I know nothing about these parts, but Paul, so stop me anytime before I sound really silly. But you're not looking at it as, say, you're looking at it as overall how can I fit and, and meet the need to the best of my capacity to be able to get what's needed to get people home safely? And you're trying to yes. do that in a kind, mm-hmm. empathetic way.
0: Yes, because sometimes people will be straightforward they'll be like, well, I'm just not gonna do this. And you'll have to make a connection to someone who I do have a relationship with. But when it does present itself to have that, I'm going in and having these conversations and making connections based on a genuine desire to one, connect to understand, and two, how is it gonna help someone other than myself? And what seems to happen, people will align with that purpose on wanting to help others get home, yes. Yeah, they can have all the material they need and still be in situations that aren't going to save their lives. But if they have what they need, you're giving them a better chance to get home. And that is that purpose saying nothing's completely safe in this world. But why send someone where they shouldn't be without the things they need? So in doing that, most of my position on a desire to connect with people anyway is based on, helping someone else first than it is helping myself and and that usually is well received it hasn't always been but it usually is you know some people just it doesn't matter what you do or say to them it's it's bottom line to some people right it's like what is
1: the price point and that's what i'm going to stick to and they don't make the connection between the outcome that they're looking for and maybe the back end of the house which is um getting that you know, maybe that plane off safely, or they're just looking at price. And you're looking at it as overall getting these families, these men or women back home so that they can reintegrate back it with their families. So what I hear a lot is about your deep value for the connection um, that you, that you want to create, not just uh well, I'm sending these particular parts at this particular point, um, to wherever you are, they need it in the world. You're looking at how do we do it fairly? Yes. And in the kindest way possible. But of course, you're also running a business at the same time.
0: Yes, yes. So
1: you have to be competitive, but it's not all about price.
0: Yes. And sometimes that's collaboration. Sometimes if it goes and gets out to a point where price doesn't always make sense. People are always looking, for the most part, in business. If an opportunity fits, that makes sense for them. Sometimes that's collaborating with them or introducing them to somebody who aligns with their values for where they're going. So if you're going in to genuinely understand people and offer help to them, That is well-received. They may not work with you or assist you on that current goal to help what I'm doing, but you're coming to the table with something towards them. And it's not – see, this is where I think people get that confused. Well, they're going to do it to get something in return. It has to be genuine – Where you're coming in, I'm going to help you whether you choose to help me or not. That is received different than I'm going to do this because I want something from you. And I feel people can sense that out. And quite frankly, if you do it, people are looking for the angle to say, well, what does he want? And when it's received as he's true or she's doing it because she genuinely is looking to help, that for the most part has been why I feel we've had success or we've built relationships because we usually won't ask for things in return for ourselves. It's for something greater than what we're doing.
1: A bigger purpose um, yep. in, in people's lives. Now tell me at the level that you're at and what does empathy in business mean to you?
0: So I, it was interesting. There's an art, there's a research paper. I would love to send it to you. It was from Cambridge university and what they were talking about sales people, there's cognitive, Um, empathy and then emotional empathy, and it's like the the revenue can be driven in two different directions. It's a wonderful paper to read. Whoever did that, they really—it's the first of its kind. So, cognitive empathy really is trying to understand. From the way I took it, it's trying to understand your customer, how you can help them, and make those decisions based on that. Because when you use emotion. The emotional empathy, you're going, oh, well, they feel this. They feel that way. You can make a, when they test it, you can make a bad decision based on how they feel. But if you're using how they feel and how to respond on the cognitive, on how you're thinking to make the right decision best for them, you're going to have increased revenue and sales. So to me, empathy in business basically means how can I help this person and show My genuine desire to want to work with them, give them a good product, help them, whether it's now or down the future. And I'm not looking for a one-time transaction. It is looking for a long-term customer, long-term relationship business-wise, because those matter over time. People move, people transition, and wherever they go, those relationships stick.
1: And I'm gonna I'm gonna assume Paul that in your industry it, it it's not that big is it like you're like
0: is it no. a smaller
1: subset of people that are suppliers to the military or is there lots of companies competing for your business with Kuwag? there's mm-hmm.
0: a, there's a there's a fair amount but we've kind of found a sweet spot in our space there's a lot of service base there's a lot of product base you just have to know where in. That you fit. But I think indirectly, commercial companies support defense companies one way or the other. Even if they're five levels down, mm-hmm. they're supporting them. But for the most part, when a government opportunity does come out, you will have competition. You will have it. And it's fierce because there's a tendency to, to work with certain firms that are already in there.
1: Okay, to kind of, with the incumbent versus looking elsewhere, kind of. So, you know, at your level, you know, for you to speak at this level, I think oftentimes we don't expect leaders, um, you know, to be talking that way. So I think sometimes we we assume that leaders are very, they're not as empathetic. Like we kind of think of leaders and senior leadership teams as being metric driven, right? Outcome based. And you know this connection between, like you said, the emotional and the cognitive, oftentimes CEOs get looked at as they don't understand the feelings associated with what's needed by their employee base. Would yes. you agree that a lot of CEOs are like that? Or would you say that a lot of CEOs or um, senior teams that you you've been involved with understand the things that we're discussing around empathy?
0: I would I would say prior to COVID, it was limited, and I, it, it seems since after, it's opening people up to have a human side. I wouldn't say not all think like that, and probably the vast majority don't, especially when you get up to them, the large, very large businesses. So, but in from my experience and in my interactions, the ones that do, you make very good connections with but yes for the most part it up until then they were few and far between
1: yeah it's so not now, something i know the average person now is wanting they're looking behind the house to, to, they're looking to see if companies are living the values that are in alignment with them the consumer yes. um we're, we're seeing that a lot more right like people are wanting to buy more local like i'm here in niagara falls ontario i don't know if, if you know where that is like yes Uh, And people are wanting to be more localized now since the pandemic, or if they are dealing with a a bigger company, they want to make sure that that company has the same kind of values with, with them in, you know, compared to, like you said, prior to pandemic, it didn't matter. And now people are wanting to trust or experience trust with the companies that they're dealing with a lot more. So I think you're, you're really, really right with that. So now I would say that a lot of senior leadership teams and senior leaders are having to think, Well, if we weren't kind of being perceived as trusting, what is it that we have to do to change the projection of how people perceive us out there?
0: Yes. And see, so that gets back to that old theory, why don't you do it when the times are good? So what's going to happen now? Are you going to change because your customers are doing it? Or are you going to change because that's the real premise from what's at the core? And this is where I say customers and consumers are going to weed them out because now they're looking for it. So it better be something that you mean and genuine or else they're going to call you out. This is a social media era they will call you out. So it, I feel like it's good and it's moving in the right direction because they're at least asking. So if they're starting to ask, they're going to start to put the right things in place and people are holding each other accountable and will move towards that.
1: For sure. How can leaders at your level be, become more empathetic? What kind of things, if you're listening, if you're, you know, there's people listening and saying, oh yeah, Mr. Mm-hmm. Gunn, you're in a different sector or whatever, um, you don't understand our industry. What would you say for some leaders that maybe are starting to listen and realize that they maybe have to shift and increase their empathy? What are some basic things you would say to those leaders that are maybe listening and not sure how to kind of approach this?
0: I would say, listen, to their team. That's the biggest thing. You first start by listening. As they always say, you have two ears and one mouth. There's somebody sitting in somebody's CEO room, boardroom, that's quiet, that never says anything, that probably has an idea that can shift the company into the right trajectory, but nobody's going to ask them. They're going to continue to overlook. There are quiet, proficient team members that have ideas, but nobody speaks up because no one genuinely asks, or they're fearful of the next level above them, they're going to either lose their job or outside. And if a leader steps up and shows, I want to hear from my team, removing the titles because I'm focused on the ideas that can be brought. It is going to allow those other team members to step up and feel this is a safe environment for me to be able to speak and not worry about my position. And from the top or the next level, being seeking to remove me because I asked a question that may be perceived that the next level person didn't think of before them. It has to start with a leader opening up and really meaning that.
1: For sure. So it has to start there. Um, so you, you already said that um, the reason, one of the reasons you talked about, about being empathetic in business is that what it does is it opens doors and the doors that it doesn't open, it doesn't matter. Um, what else is important? Why, why is empathy? What are some of the other reasons why empathy is important in business?
0: I feel it's important because if, for example, you give the ones where the, some of the doors won't open. I would say those on that side are being empathetic. And they tell you they're not going to open it. They're telling you why. This product is what we do. This is our process. This is why we believe in it. However, Most of those people will say, hey, however, we can have opportunities here. And when you just don't approach them from saying, well, fine, the deal's over and done. I'm going to leave it. When you look at ways to either ask them, well, how can I help you somewhere else? If it's not here, I didn't win on this deal. What can we do to help? There's, you build a relationship there. And what happens is it may not be right away. It's down the road. You're going to find something that helps them. So if your desire to be empathetic Is truly there to help. And you're approaching it from a collaboration in mind, whether it's now or down the road. You may help somebody else build their business or build that line that then in turn becomes an ally for you 12 months, two years down the road and remembers the fact you helped make a connection that wasn't there because you weren't seeking just for your own good at that moment. So it's important to be that way from a cognitive and both emotional standpoint, you you have to think strategy wise. You do have to understand, okay, you can't make decisions based. Well, I feel this is a good person. I, I understand they're crying or sad or not in a good mood. So let me do this. You can't take it that way, but if you use both how they're feeling and what you think on the product, you can align strategically to help them and yourself down the road. And it's not, being a bad thing you still have a business to run you're trying to do it with all good intentions.
1: Absolutely. So tell me how with your vendors and your customers um how do they receive you know how has empathy been received and and kind of when you started your business like you said with you and your brother what were some of the things what did you have to do to kind of have people to you know start dealing or or scaling up with your business?
0: I think one of the bigger things with us was we were young, brother was 26, I was 29. So we were showing up in places that necessarily people really weren't expecting young kids in their mind to show up. So a lot of times and many times people thought we were sent by our company. So the very few people that, and they would clearly voice how they felt about us being here. Well, you two guys don't know what you're talking about. You guys go over here. I'll get you a vendor. And then we would later have to re-engage with them on the either ordering process, and then their story changed. They were either being nice with us and trying to act as if they were showing that empathy, but they forgot who we were. Now, at that time, the people who did show empathy, those became the firms we align with and and what we found out, those firms that did that were truly what helped us grow because their leadership from top down acted that way. Those leaders, those firms are what helped us grow fast because from day one, they treated us with that level of empathy and we made sure we did everything to align with them. And what happened was that alignment because those firms had been built and established put some of the other firms in line to help them come on board. And as it came known, people saw us the same that they saw us as we were younger, younger, that really didn't change too much. This is who we were and this is how we lived. But those, it was few firms at the beginning that actually showed it to us. So we made sure to align with them. But at first we weren't perceived as belonging and we made a mental note of that.
1: So... When we kind of look at trust in business, right, and we look up the future of business, Paul, how do you see trust, like for companies, whether they're, you know, smaller startups or, or, or midsize or even companies that are scaling up, how do you think trust is going to impact us, let's say, in the next, say, three to five years,
0: I think it's a big thing. There so many people have gone through hardship, but if they lost their job and they know of the excess done and had by larger executives and CEOs, I think as they mass, people wanna be able to trust who they're dealing with or at least showing to the best of their abilities, somebody's out there trying to do the right thing and making the right moves to help those and show genuine care. Nothing's perfect in the world, but it seems prior to COVID, there wasn't this mass popularity for wanting to make it known that this is how we're going to go. This is how we're going to move forward and care for all our employees, the earth, everything is at the premise of what we do. These young kids are wise and intelligent and they will call you out. On half and they're going to eventually be those that come into power in leadership roles. And somebody needs to show them that they can continue uniting and doing the good and still take leadership roles and have success. And I think that's a big gap where leaders just don't tell others, look, you can have success being like this.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if you had three top tips for CEOs that that are listening to this what would be three top tips you'd give them um, about growing us about running a successful business what 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 are some tips you would give them
0: i would tell one listen to your team identify that those quiet members who usually don't speak up in your room identify the work on the, when they're talking really actively listen so if you ask a question let them talk in here two align yourself with a global or some charity something that's doing an organization that's doing good in this world to give back and really step up and mean it and find out from your team thirdly what is it that matters to them and why is their purpose aligned with their company where do they want to go i love that mantra where you know they hire and say how is this company going to help you get to the purpose that you want find out and let them talk and listen you may discover what their time there is is going to help them go 100 percent in because they're going to go in and do what they have meant to do or been called to do anyway let them give their best time in your company so they can align with their purpose
1: so alignments and really having people live their value so if you know yes. i know you had said that there was a at the end, you said that you're, found, you're founder to water Tusk. What is yes. water? What Tell me about that.
0: So that is a commercial um, company where we do a lot of hiking and camping gear. So it's based with um, tactical watches and everything on an e-commerce type of site. So we wanted to go out and do that where funds made from that company were basically trying to give almost dollar for dollar support to noble causes for veterans and those in need so I started that saying hey look well everything's going online and going digital how do I set up another company and that whole premise and purpose of that company really is to be I'm going to make money and grow it but a lot of it is going to go back into helping others so not necessarily is it a what do you want to call it or a foundation or a charity, but more so a social responsible company. So any dollar that comes in, we give dog tags out to show, look, part of that cost to get the dog tag, and there's no disrespect to the military, is just showing, look, this aligns with us helping veterans and this aligns with us helping um, the different charities that feed poor. And that's my biggest goal. The goal is every year, did it to raise up 200000 to be able to give away. So hopefully this year we're able to do enough. But... That's why yeah. that one was started.
1: Wow, amazing. So that that values alignment, you put it back where it counts and you give it back yes. to the veterans or people that are coming back home or, or any kind of issues that might come up. And yes. obviously, like, uh, you know, you probably don't know this, but complex PTSD or PTSD is one of my specialties as a psychotherapist. So I really understand, you know, when people reintegrate back in, Paul, how difficult it is and, you know, how much assistance families need, you know, or guys or um, men coming back after they've been away, what it takes and all the symptoms and all the things that maybe potentially you would understand from your family being in the military, what kind of things people go through and depression and anxiety, um, you know, being high when people are coming back and just trying to live normal lives again. So I think that's a, that's an amazing thing that you do. So you are living your value based on the, you know, the industry that you're helping you're helping. And, um, if, uh, For you, I I think you're living the value and I hope that other people in senior positions are listening, right? Because I think oftentimes a lot of people, and I will talk to people on this podcast, they're afraid to get up that level. And they only get up, they tell the, the senior people kind of what they think they need to hear. And they're oftentimes afraid to share really what's going on. And to your point, if you're not listening, um, truly, and not listening to the people that are the extroverts like me all the time, or maybe the people that are quieter that could bring so much value, you're missing a big part of the puzzle.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I 100% agree. When I read that book, Extreme Ownership, is one of my favorite. I really liked the way the Navy SEALs, and, and he put that book together. I read that from a position People mistake that empathy is weak. Those guys got to go out and do their work. They need to trust each other, and they have to tell each other the hard truth. It's not somebody weak who has to sit there and tell you, look, I understand. I appreciate what you're doing, but we need to get this done and do it. I hear you. I I sympathize, but for the better purpose and good of what we're all doing, this is why we need to go. And those are some of the toughest guys walking around, and I took it from the position that's real empathy It's like, look, I'm hearing. I see what you're saying. Let's consider this. Those guys have each other's back. That takes a unit that listens to each other. That's not a head person in charge saying it's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. They, that's a group of guys or team members and women that are working together to, for something bigger. And if there's not a better example than that, I don't know what is. Like you, I would not want to go out anymore from that without somebody understanding the reasons why or are listening. That you're putting everyone in danger. And that's just from the outside looking in. So what's different from a leadership role? Listen to your team.
1: Yeah, they bring they bring value. And you're only as strong as, as you know, the people that you're connected to on your team. Absolutely. So. Thanks so much for your time, Paul. This has been amazing. And I, you know, Paul is stretching himself, talking to me on this podcast, you've been phenomenal. Um, For any senior leaders listening out there, um, you know, we are now being, I would say, um, called to, to really live our values and living your values at the front end. Systemically, we know the power Um, you know, you make change from the top. So think of your role and think about what frontward facing message are you putting out there? And how is that backed by the values um, of your employees behind you? And with that in mind, with that uh, concerted um, thought out uh, perspective, what you are gonna do is you're gonna grow people around you and then everything else takes care of itself. So, again, Paul, thanks so much for your time, Thank for everyone you. listening. If you're needing anything on authentic leadership, uh, please reach out to me at RoxanneDurhaj.com.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.